Welcome to the From Overwhelmed to Fulfilled podcast, where it's all about moving out of overwhelm and into fulfillment in your relationships, your business, your finances, your health. I'm your host, Selena Kipnis, a certified life coach and yoga teacher trainer. Welcome to episode number 13, why you are eating unhealthily again. (laughs) So last week on the podcast, we talked about food and your mood. We went over some scientifically proven foods to eat and to not eat that will not only make you happier, but they'll make you less depressed and less anxious, right? So today we're going to dive into why you're eating unhealthy again. And then next week, we're going to talk about what to do about it, what to do about that why and what to do with the information from today. So let's just dive in. Now, what I see with many of my clients is that they generally know that it isn't healthy to eat processed foods. It's not healthy to eat refined foods. They may not know exactly why it isn't healthy. So we dive into that together so they know the why. And generally, they know what is healthy to eat, right? They know it's healthy to eat whole foods, organic foods, right? So if they come to me and maybe you're in this place right now where you know what you need to eat and what you need to stop eating in order to become whatever your goal is, whether it's stronger, thinner, to have a clear mind. Remember that food really affects our memory and our ability to learn new things and to concentrate and to make better decisions. So whatever your intention is, but maybe you aren't doing the things you know you need to do. You aren't eating the foods that you know you need to eat, or you continue to eat the foods that you know aren't healthy. My question is why? Try to answer that. Why are you doing that? (laughs) So you want all the benefits that come from eating healthy, right? We all do. Like who doesn't want to be strong, thin, smart, focused? We all want that. But every day, there are millions of people choosing to eat unhealthy options, right? Maybe you're snacking constantly, which causes your body to live on the sugar in your snacks, glucose. That creates a foggy mind. You will never be able to lose weight because your body isn't able to tap into fat stores. You're just living on the glucose. Maybe you drive through the drive through of fast food again, even that you know, like we all know that fast food is full of sugars and salts and it's unhealthy. Maybe you reach for the box of cookies at 9 p.m. and you eat five too many, not just one too many, but you're like, oh, I ate the whole sleeve. (laughs) So why is it that you know what to do, but you aren't doing it? Okay, so Listen closely because this information that I'm going to give to you will change your relationship with food forever. It's going to change the way that you think about your food decisions. And it is going to really enlighten those whys of like, why am I doing this even though I don't want to? And 
that definitely happened for me when I learned this information. It really changed my relationship with food. And I noticed a big difference cognitively once I had changed my relationship with food. But there was this first part of like understanding why I was doing what I didn't really want to do. Okay. So this is why you're still eating junk and feeling like junk. Okay. And I want to say first that you will also have your own additional ways and your uh, own additional whys rather. And that's something in one-on-one coaching that we dive into together to know like what your whys are because your additional whys besides the parts of the brain are going to be different from your friends, right? It might have to deal with control or something with your past failures. Um, So we really dive into that to like understand for you that's also very important and an integral part of this process. But today we're going to mostly dive into the whys of the brain. We're going to also dive into one social why and the rest are really dealing with the brain. Okay, so listen up and stay focused. Hopefully you ate healthy today so that you could focus. Now the first why of why you are still eating junk and feeling like junk is the social why that we're going to explore. And that is everybody else is doing it. Everyone else is doing it. Everybody else is eating junk too. It's common. Remember last week we talked about the Western diet. Our diet is Americans and many other people around the world now who have adopted this diet And this Western diet is high in saturated fats and refined carbohydrates, right? So like everybody else is doing it. You go to the store, that's the kind of food. You live with other people probably. You go to other people's houses and that's what everybody else is eating. There's some element of junk always on the table. And you may fear being the oddball. Or worse, you might fear that you're going to fail And go back to eating junk again because you tried to eat healthy and you've fallen off the wagon so many times. So like why even try again? Why risk being the oddball? And on top of that, going back to your old ways and then feeling like humiliated in a way, right? Thinking that like everyone's laughing at you or just some other unhelpful thoughts that we choose to think that really keep us from eating healthy and from feeling healthy. If everyone else is doing it, it becomes normal, whatever it is. But right now we're talking about food, right? So if everybody else is eating unhealthy, and I remember this happening like with my with my daughters, right? Like everyone else was eating these popsicles that had like all these artificial sugars and colors. And when I said like, okay, well, they're not going to eat that. It was kind of weird, right? So everybody else is doing it. Like, what's the problem? So you have to have this level of confidence and really feeling um, the need to advocate for what you think is right. Like, that's fine that everybody else is is doing that, but we're not going to do it, right? And so whenever something is normalized, and it creates this kind of like norm normality and we could feel the oddball that's what's happening and also knowing that just because everybody else is doing it it doesn't mean that it is the best way right so like eating this western diet is normal but also obesity is normal being sick frequently is normal a high rate of heart attack is normal 
right? So all those things are normal too. It doesn't mean it's the best way. So that's the one part of the social part of why, why we're eating junk when we don't want to, okay? And now we're going to really go into the brain part. So the second why we're eating junk and feeling like junk and really the main focus of this episode is our brain is in an evolutionary transition, okay? Our brain is in an evolutionary transition. Now, the primary purpose of your brain is what? What is the primary purpose of your brain? I'm, I'm trying to make this interactive. I'm imagining you answering. <laughs> so the primary purpose of your brain is to keep you alive, right? That is the job of the brain. The brain doesn't want you to die because it's going to be out of a job. It's trying to keep that job security. It wants to keep you alive, okay? Both humans and animals have brains that focus on three simple motivations that keep us alive and ensures our species survival, right? Procreation to continue surviving as a species. Now, these three parts of this motivational triad is what it's called is the first one is seeking pleasure the second is avoiding pain and the third is reducing effort okay and I'm going to go through each of those again and kind of break it down Um, I'm also only going to compare the motivational triad to food in this episode But as you become more familiar with it, you will definitely notice how this motivational triad is a driving force in all areas of our life where our brain is involved, which is pretty much everyone, right? So let's look at the first one, seeking pleasure. Now, our brains are designed to be rewarded for life-preserving activities, And one of those life-preserving activities is consuming food. We must eat in order to sustain our life. Although I have met a few breath, I think they're called breathitarians, where like they mostly just live on breathing, Um, but not like they can't do that their whole life, right? They have to consume some food, but that's a whole nother topic. So when we eat, our brain gives us serotonin and dopamine. We talked about last week a bit. And we get serotonin and dopamine as a reward, okay? We feel a bit happier after we eat that Hershey's bar or something, right? We, we get this dopamine, the serotonin, which by the way, Hershey's bars make organic um, chocolate now, which is so interesting. I still would not like advise that as being your healthy snack go-to, but just a side note. Now, It's amazing that we get the serotonin and dopamine as a reward. And you can really see how beautifully our brain is designed for a world that our ancestors and all humans since the beginning lived until about the 1950s when a whole lot of things started really changing with our food and we started having way more food access, just lots more food all over and more heavily processed foods, right? They discovered during the war how they could preserve foods to get it to the troops and it could stay without rotting for longer periods. 
and all of this was happening. And by the 1970s, we had a full-blown obesity epidemic. Okay, so it happened pretty quickly. Now, prior to this extreme food access that now we kind of think it's like just normal and this is how it's always been, but it has not always been like that. We didn't used to have food at every single store in gas station and any time that you met with a friend or if it was like anything that's going on where there was just always tons of food around it. We didn't always have food within reach or with every five minutes of driving. Okay. So before all that happened, this motivational reward, the seeking pleasure, it worked perfectly around food, right? We needed to work much harder for food. So remember, up until the around the 1950s, almost everyone had their own mini farm, their own garden that they tended, that they ate from, that they pickled and stored for the winter, that they traded with others to get different varieties of things. You know, the food was whole and unprocessed. The wheat was the highest quality wheat. I just ordered like four huge packs of um, unprocessed wheat that I'm like, oh, I'm so excited. It's such amazing quality um, for flour or flour and everything. But that's like nothing compared to what they used to have. You know, you could get wheat that was from your neighbor that it's good. So it's going to rot, right? The good stuff rots. It doesn't sit on the shelf forever. So it would rot if it wasn't used. It had all the good stuff. It wasn't sprayed with chemicals. There was no such thing as gluten intolerance then. You know, you had the good stuff, like really good quality food. The quality of the food was high then, much higher, and they had to work harder for it. And even now, if you look at what America spends, what the United States spends on its food versus almost every other country, the percentage of our income that goes towards our food is one of the least ones in the world. We think that food should be cheap. And as a result of that, we eat cheap food that is unhealthy and we have, you know, the results of that, which is not being healthy. We prioritize buying fancy cars and cheap food. So we have a fancy car, but our physical car of our body is cheap. It's not healthy. It's not being nourished, right? So we've gotten a little bit off track as a nation, and it's okay. We're getting back on track. We're seeing like what's going on. We're seeing the dis-ease, the disease that's caused by our food, and we're getting back on track, okay? So... The quality of food was high, like I was saying, and we had to work hard for it. And our ancestors worked hard for it because of this pleasure that was created in the brain when we consumed the food, right? They got the serotonin and the dopamine, and so they had to work hard for it, but it wasn't a problem, right? Because they felt good from that. They knew they were working hard for this really good food that was preserving their life. Now, neural pathways... In our brain, they remind us how important it is to get the food, and it helps having the serotonin and dopamine, right, that reward, it helps us to remember how important it is to get to get the food, and then it just kind of repeats. It's like, okay, we need to get the food, we're going to do it, and this perpetuates our desire to get food. We know it's important, we're going to get a reward, we have the desire. Now, 
this, what happens when we have this excessive dopamine and excessive, like excessive salts and sugars and all of this is that we get a flood of dopamine and when we get this flood, it actually downregulates the receptors of the brain. So that means that it reduces the receptors of the brain, right? It makes them like dull and we don't feel as satisfied after eating rice and salad as we do after we eat a Chick-fil-A sandwich, right? We need like more dopamine. And so this perpetuates desire in a very strong way, not in like the a normal way that the brain was created to do in a balanced, harmonious way. And that may remind you of a drug addiction. And it is very similar, right? So like if you or if you know someone who has tried a drug, the first time you try a drug, it gives you an enormous high, Okay, and I haven't tried a drug that I got like an enormous high from that I can really compare this with, but I can personally compare it with drinking alcohol for the first time, right? Like you drink a small amount and you're like, wow, I really feel that. But then each time you need more and more of either the alcohol or the drug to experience that same effect. And that's what happens (laughs) when we overeat, or when we eat foods that are higher in salts and sugars and all of these things. We need more and more to feel satisfied in our brain. So we can be like extremely overweight. You can be obese and you're eating and obviously you've eaten enough food, okay? You don't need to eat anymore. You've eaten enough, but you feel this urge in your brain to continue eating because all of that flood of dopamine from all of those heavily processed foods has dulled your receptors and now you need more food to feel in the brain to think that you've eaten enough, okay? And then the more you practice this overeating or more, the more you practice eating processed foods, the stronger these neural pathways become and then you've got a habit, right? Now you've just got a habit and this is just like what you do on this autopilot. So we continue to seek pleasure and we continue to start eating the junk food again, right? It's like, oh, I'm eating the junk food again. So the second, let's go into the second part of this motivational triad, avoiding pain. Again, we can see how this motivational triad has helped humans forever, right? Up until like the 50s. And then we can see what's happening now. So since the first humans, we needed to avoid the pain. Again, we're just talking about food here, but we needed to avoid the pain of going hungry, right? And I'm referring to true hunger. Like when you can actually, when you actually don't have enough food to give your body the dietary energy that it needs that could lead to death. I'm not talking about just like feeling a little bit hungry, right? When we have food so accessible everywhere around us, the pain now that our brain is avoiding when it comes to food looks very different than it did for humans a hundred years ago and beyond. So some of you may feel a sensation of hunger now and subconsciously you might think it's an emergency, like that you must eat right away. Like, I feel hungry. I have to eat right now. 
And what I want to offer you is it's okay to feel hungry. It's okay to feel hungry. Now, if you have different challenges with your blood sugar level and all this, look, obviously you do what's best for you and that's a whole different thing. But I'm referring to this like emergency that some people feel like I have to have food all around all the time. And at the moment that I think I'm hungry, I must eat. And we can see this. I was talking to some friends who also have children and our three families, we let our kids, uh, you know, go for breaks without eating and eat more meals and less snacks. Right. And so one of them was saying at the playground how if you say when you your kid says I'm hungry and if you say okay we're gonna eat at dinner time sometimes like the looks that you'll get on the playground and then the other mom offered yeah I just say to them it's okay to be hungry in a very like authoritative way like that's fine to be hungry right but there is this social norm that if your kid says you're hungry you should have some goldfish in your purse to give them right away or give them some snack, right? Your good kids should not be allowed to feel hungry at all. But it's actually very okay. It's not only okay, it's healthy to be hungry. Like give your body and your digestive system a break, okay? It needs at least a few hours in between meals to rest. So let me give you another example of a way that avoiding pain in relation to food in our current culture shows up. Okay, so it might look like this. You decide that you're going to eat healthy. It's Monday morning and you're like, I'm going to eat healthy today. <laughs> and you do pretty good like throughout the day and you it's 8 p.m. And it's Monday night, right? So you've been going out one day. It's 8 p.m. It's Monday night. And you want to eat healthy, but you also really like have this desire to eat something sweet. You're sitting in front of the television. You're like, I just, I usually eat something sweet while I'm watching Netflix and I want to. And so at first, like you're trying to resist that urge and it's like uncomfortable though. And you're like, oh, and then you keep thinking about it. And this discomfort keeps getting louder and louder. And if you don't know what's happening with your brain right now, You'll reach for the box of cookies because you're registering that discomfort as pain and remember that your brain wants to avoid pain. That's what it's designed to do, to avoid pain. So you are self-sabotaging right then. You reach for the cookies and you eat way more than you wanted to. And worse than that, you, okay, so you don't know why you're doing it, right? And you're like, oh, this is frustrating. I didn't want to eat it, the cookies, and I ate it anyways. And then you like are beating yourself up about it. So we're going to stop that cycle right now <laughs> through awareness, okay? Now you know why you're doing it when you don't want to do it. These three things, this motivational triad, right? In that particular example, you were re you went for the cookies anyways because your brain wants to avoid pain. You didn't know that. So when it was uncomfortable, you reached for the cookies, okay? So you have this awareness now to what's happening. And next week, we're going to talk about what to do with that awareness. But you don't have to ask why anymore or beat yourself up about it. You know why. Your brain wants to avoid discomfort and pain. Okay? So use that for you 
to just create more awareness. And we're going to keep working through this together. So the third part, the final part of this motivational triad as your, with your brain is reducing effort. Our brain has lots of work to do, okay? It is highly efficient, and one of the reasons why it's so efficient is because it conserves energy. And the brain conserves energy by staying on autopilot a lot, right? And it thinks the same thoughts and the same beliefs that you chose back when you were a child, Many of you, if you haven't done any work with um, creating more effort in the brain, or even those of us who have done a lot, there are still tons of things, tons of ways of thinking that we've been doing since we were a child, just because it's on autopilot, and this is how our brain reduces effort, right? It saves your brain tons of energy by experiencing the same feelings and and behaving like you always have been, right? If you get angry all the time and that's like your go-to feeling, now you know like it's easier for your brain. This is saving your brain a lot of energy. And don't worry, we're not going to stay stuck here next week. We are going to use this to make progress, but this is why how your brain conserves energy, okay? So the reason why this is helpful is obvious that it saves our brain energy so that it can be efficient. It's got a lot of work to do, right? It's like this employee that doesn't want you to ask them to do more stuff. They've got a lot of stuff to do. But then if you teach them and you give them the right tools on how to be more efficient in that area, they're like a calmer employee who still can do continues doing lots of stuff, but they're like way more pleasurable to be around. <laughs> so the problem with it is also obvious. The problem with reducing effort in your brain is obvious in that it can keep you stuck in certain ways of thinking and in certain behaviors that you've been stuck in since you were a child or since like 10 years ago or whenever that time is where you kind of created these neural pathways and you got stuck there. So reducing effort can stop you from even trying to eat healthier You know, whether it's you or someone you know, I'm sure we all know someone who's like doesn't even try. Yeah, this is why. (laughs) Because the brain doesn't want to work hard because it wants to conserve energy. It's got a lot to do. You may think I'm healthy enough, like just the way I am. It's good enough. Or like this is just how I've always been. Like I have to eat every hour or I don't feel good. This is how I have to do. Or... I have to have something sweet after a meal. Like, this is just who I am, right? And these are all thoughts and beliefs that we've probably had for a while that helps our brain to reduce effort through this consistency and being more efficient to think think the same thoughts and feel the same feelings over and over again. So... Today, we really dove into why why we're choosing to eat unhealthily and mostly the reasons that relate to the brain, right, of seeking pleasure, avoiding pain, reducing effort. And this episode is really about awareness of why we're doing it, building awareness and just noticing like this next week. So please don't use any of this information against you. Do not beat yourself up about it. 
Don't beat yourself up about why you're choosing the unhealthy option or why you didn't know this information before or why you heard it before, but you weren't using it. Use this information for you to apply it this week by having more awareness. Live with more awareness this week. Notice what's happening in your brain when you start to drive into that fast food drive through again. Oh, am I seeking pleasure here? Am I reducing effort? Just noticing what's happening. You don't have to change anything at all this week. Just notice, okay? And then next week, we're going to explore reversing this motivational triad and how to work together with your brain to eat what you actually want to eat and to get the results you actually want, whether it's a thinner you, a stronger you, a healthier you, a clearer, better functioning mind, whatever it is that you actually want. So have a beautiful week. And remember, we're in this together. You are not alone. Everyone has had this challenge with this motivational triad. It's part of being human. If you want more information about working together one-on-one with this work, you can hop on over to organicrootsva.com slash life dash coaching. I'll leave the link for that in the show notes. Otherwise, namaste. Talk to you next week.